This International Women's Day has seen a heightened level of discussion about the rights of women and their protections in the workplace. The reporting of an alleged sexual assault by a former parliamentary staffer, Brittany Higgins, sparked a national conversation about the responsibility of employers to ensure workplaces are safe and how to deal with serious incidents if they arise. This has been heightened by the advocacy of Australian of the Year, Grace Tame, to raise awareness about the rights of survivors of sexual assault and the importance of giving them a voice. In addition to all this, the allegation of rape raised against Attorney-General Christian Porter, which he strenuously denies, has further fuelled debate. Noreen Young is Professor of Workforce Diversity at the Jumbana Institute and she joins me to bring a First Nation woman's perspective to the conversation. Noreen, thanks for coming back to Speaking Out. Pleasure. What issues has the experiences of Brittany Higgins raised for you in terms of women needing to be protected in their workplace? I think it's been a bit of an irritating discussion in a way because it's led to a reckoning and a discussion about sexual violence, whether it's at work or at home or in the street, in this country and nowhere except among ourselves have I heard anyone say that this colony was built on sexual violence and the role and place of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women has in part been one of violence, of violence committed against for all the time since the first day, really. So I think that's been a bit irritating for me and, and I imagine a lot of listeners out there. In terms of workplaces, we don't have any statistics as yet. We'll try to get them over the next couple of years on what kind of things could be reported by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women at work. So we need to know that and we need that to be the subject of study. But we do know that women, Australian women, aren't reporting and we know that Australian women don't report because they're not believed when they do report and it's incredibly difficult and I think Grace Tame's advocacy will make a difference in that way because she's saying she was believed and her parents believed her and the teacher that she told believed her and that's what's made all the difference. Listening to what you're saying too about the importance of process and listening when a, when somebody makes a complaint, what strikes you about what workforces do and don't have that was really highlighted with the response to Brittany Higgins' allegations? Well, that's clearly a workplace that doesn't have proper processes in place and you would think that it would in fact be a model workplace but it's clearly not. We had... Brittany Higgins' employer saying in front of a whole group of employees that she was a lying cow for the employer not to understand that you don't say that about anyone in front of employees anyway, but to say that about the person who's made the allegations about your office and how your office handled something is extraordinary. I think it's extraordinary that she's still got her job. It says that there are so many workplaces where that might have procedures in place, but they're not followed because the culture at the workplace, I mean, you really have to wonder about the culture at that workplace where the alleged perpetrator thought that he could do that in that workplace. You'd have to worry about the culture 
culture of a workplace that says that there shouldn't be an investigation into the allegations about the Attorney-General. doesn't matter that that's a historical allegation. The point is that he's the Attorney-General and it's the highest law holder office in the country and that person needs to be of impeccable character. So I, I think that what it says to us is that we really need to work on policies and procedures. The HR industry really needs to work on its role. The culture around reporting really needs working on and the support given to people, and it's not just women but it's largely women, the support given to people who do report needs to be improved substantially. The Sex Discrimination Commissioner Kate Jenkins has been appointed to head an inquiry into work practices in Parliament House. It comes 12 months after the release of a similar inquiry. What do you read into that situation? I think that it's fantastic that at last the government has used the holder of the statutory position that's there to actually do this. So that's really a positive thing. I hear that Kate Jenkins really is suitable for the government because she comes from business and I think that's a really positive thing in the current context. I think that it's very important that this has a lens that is bipartisan and can look at it from a number of different perspectives. In terms of the other report, it's quite extraordinary that there has been no response for government in that time since it was released. And hopefully this period of reckoning will give them an opportunity to think about all of the recommendations of that report and what they might mean, but also to look at what they might mean for the most marginalised groups in the workforce, among whom Indigenous women are one of the most marginalised groups. The allegation of sexual assault made against Christian Porter related to alleged behaviour decades before, long before he was in Parliament, but does it raise any workplace issues for you? Well, the refusal to hold an investigation raises a whole lot of issues for me. I think that if it was a CEO of a company, if it was a university vice-chancellor, for example, of course there would be an investigation into that. That Christian Porter has somehow been able to twist it to, frankly, the level of drama queen behaviour has staggered me, to twist it to say that if he stands down, then everyone who's accused would have to stand down. Well, in fact, most people who are accused of historical things like that, if they're in a senior position, would stand down. They'd stand down with pay while it was being investigated. I think a lot of Australians work in workplaces where investigations have occurred. It's certainly not unusual. It's usual procedure. don't know why he thinks he's so special. Has the community response to both Brittany Higgins's allegations and the allegations against Christian Porter surprised you? No, not at all. I think I've been talking to people, I've been talking to women. I talked to women for seven years when I ran an advice line at the Working Women's Centre, which was a community legal centre, and so we gave advice to women on issues. So many women have been sexually harassed at work and... We know from talking to our women friends since we were teenagers that women have been sexually assaulted, so not at all. I think it's brought out a lot of distress for a lot of women, 
Indigenous and non-Indigenous, and I think it is something that has to be reckoned with because it is a major problem in this country, not least of which is the level of violence committed towards our women and has been remarked upon in the media that where is Australian feminism when when it comes to where our women are in terms of violence, like it needs to step up, as so many Indigenous scholars have pointed out. I just want to pick up on that. The conversation has been very focused on the experience of women with harassment. But what are the factors that come into play for Indigenous women where their gender and their race intersect? Well, I I often think that what seemed to have transpired in the early days of the colony was that all of the trappings of alleged civilised society of Europe, particularly of the British, seemed to then impact here and the culture of violence against women seems to have been adopted and the role and place of Indigenous women in that, in the colonisation process, has been one of where violence has impacted most. Now, one of the things that annoys me about the talk about community violence is that we never seem to really see statistics about how many women, Indigenous women, have violence committed against them by non-Indigenous men and whether or not it's easier for non-Indigenous men to commit violence against Indigenous women because that's even more normalised than violence is against women in the Australian community more generally. So that's something that I think needs to be really examined and I think that it's an emergency and I think Australian feminism needs to treat it that way and advocate for Indigenous women first and foremost. One of the comments that's been made through the last couple of weeks, and you've also touched on this yourself, is that the incidents that have come into the public arena have caused conversations and conversations that we haven't had as often as we should have, haven't had at all. I was just wondering from your perspective, having watched this space for such a long time, do you think we're at a turning point? Even though it's been, as you say, it's been a really hard moment for many women and some men who've been triggered by the conversations. Do you think it's changing? Is this a turning point? I hope so. I am encouraged by Kate Jenkins doing the review into the parliament as a workplace I worked in that as a young woman and it is, in my experience, it was everything that everyone said it is. It was a very difficult workplace culture. But I'm not encouraged by some of the responses to the Christian Porter allegations and now we're seeing all of the things said about the alleged victim that are always said about women who complain or go public or disclose sexual violence. It's being said that she was crazy. It's being said that there is something about repressed memory syndrome. I mean, but women know, we know that if something like that happened to you, like that allegation, then you would, your mental health would be impacted. And uh, so I do think that there's a bit of a gender, class and race divide developing around the conversation where a certain category in society, which is privileged white men, are getting very worked up about the accusation being made, whereas the rest of us are kind of ho-hum in a way about it. We're distressed and we're upset, but we believe women. Mm. Just want to come back to the 
what we can do in the workplace. So just was wondering what your thoughts are in terms of if we look at, as you've observed, that what was clear was that in Parliament there were no procedures or processes in place to properly deal with such a serious incident occurring in the workplace. What's your advice on how employers can be proactive in terms of creating the appropriate environment in a workplace? Well, one of the things that happens in remedies that are prescribed in in legal proceedings around it is not only you do you have to have a policy, but it has to be seen by employees and has to be accessible. And I think we know that the training we do every two years, for example, is annoying to have to do, but it's done every two years and we have to pass a quiz so that our employer knows that we've done the training and that we understand it. And I think that's really important. I think in a way what our workplace at UTS does is model because it makes sure that it's not just accessible, but that it is seen and it's understood. So I think in my experience, that's one of the things that happens where people just don't read what's on the internet. They don't understand it. They don't take notice of it. It doesn't sink in. And so they don't know what to do when something like that happens. So I think that's really important. But I also think that If it is the case that you don't have policies and procedures, you just have to get them, even if you're a small to medium business, because we know, for example, that in the hospital industry, for example, um, sexual harassment and assault is rife. And I think employers are on notice. I think the real change around this is disclosure and that women will be believed more. And that's what It's so great about Grace Tame being there. And we know in our own communities how hard it is for women to disclose. I think that there will be more onus on employers to do it. But the other thing that I'm really hopeful about is that because the procedures for reporting racism are the same, that there'll be a reckoning around, and we're trying to do that from Jambana, from the hub, and our Gariala work goes to this, that there'll be a reckoning around reporting racism and procedures around that as well. Just finally tonight, you have a daughter and a son. I know there's been a lot of focus on framing answers around having a daughter, but I just wondered from your perspective, having, you know, worked for a very long time on changing attitudes within the workforce. What is the kind of workforce that you hope that both of your children enter? A kinder, fairer workforce that is kinder to women and kinder to all people where sexism and racism in the workplace are eradicated, but also rewards decent men. Because I think most men are decent and I heard Isabella Yende speak and she was saying, and I agree with this, that the fight we're having around this isn't about men and isn't against men. It's against the patriarchy and against, in our case, the notion of the colonist patriarchy, which has been imposed in this country. And I I would hope for workplaces where people behave in public, and that's the real thing, Larissa, 
No one is saying you can't be a sexist or you can't be a racist. You can be in private if that's your choice, if that's what you want to be. The issue is how you behave in your public life and that is at the workplace where you are being paid and you're not paid to sexually harass people or assault people and you're not paid to be a racist. Noreen, thank you so much for being with us this evening and sharing your expertise and insights. Thank you, Larissa. Noreen Young is Professor of Workforce Diversity at the Jambana Institute at the University of Technology, Sydney. If the topics covered in this conversation have raised any issues for you, you can contact 1800 RESPECT, that's 1800 737 732, Lifeline on 13 11 14, Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36, or Black Rainbow via their homepage, blackrainbow.org.au.